Hey, it's Sean Fennessy, one of the hosts of the Prestige TV podcast. HBO's Barry is back for a fourth and final season. And that means I'll be back recapping the show with co-creator and star Bill Hader to dive deep on the themes, scenes, and major moments in the series. Bill will provide insight into how every episode was made and why it's ending. New Prestige TV Barry recaps will go live every Sunday night when the episode ends. So make sure you're subscribed to the Prestige TV podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer Gambling Show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. All right, like Everton in the Premier League next year, we are back. It is the Ringer Soccer Gambling Show. I'm Steve Trudy, as always, joined by the great Paul Carr of True Media. Paul, I would assume that your weekend was slightly less stressful than mine. Uh, just a guess. There's nothing more freeing and just enjoyable as a sports fan than the last day of the Premier League season with no real emotional investments. You can just sit there and enjoy I'm toggling between games, yelling at whatever's going on with just enjoying the drama. I would not wish that relegation day, <laughs> the final day, on my worst uh, enemy. It was uh, absolutely horrific to sit through that. I genuinely was like, I felt nauseous for a good 90 minutes. I never felt confident. I had a bunch of people text me that morning during the game, and I told everyone, I told you on the pod, I was not confident at yeah. all. I thought Leicester would win. They did win. Uh, yeah. We hit our best bet there, by the way. We've had a good couple of weeks, so we'll get to that at the end of the pod. But the entire time, I was on the edge of vomiting. True, true story, really. And that <laughs> honestly, for those that are a little behind the scenes here, for some people that listen to Bill's show, we were also taping Bill and Ryan uh, for Bill's pod. It was the, what was that? That was the day after game six, after the the, the Derek White layup, because he wanted to tape it early. Okay. Succession was that night. And he's just like, let's just get it out early so you know people could have it for the day and whatever. So I'm like in the record with those guys while Everton is mostly playing. So I didn't listen oh. to a ton of, sorry to Bill and to, to Bill and Ryan, didn't listen to a ton of that pod. But um, it was very, very, very stressful uh, couple of hours there. And, you know, it's funny when, when my friends texted me, I had people be like, oh man, Lester scored that goal. Truly, I, I didn't matter to me. I didn't really care. Right. I, was like, we, I, I knew Everton needed to win that game. Right. I think Everton and they had the right mindset. Dyche said it after, like, we just, just win the game. Like, we just yep. needed a goal. Yep. And it just, it, it, the, the, the shitty thing too, is it did seem like Bournemouth were really, they really cared. Like, they weren't just laying mm -hmm. down. They actually genuinely came out and played, which I'm like, guys, can we just, what, what are we doing here? Like, you guys have played, played an entire season. Like, why do you care? You're already safe. Good good job by you. But they definitely were trying. They made substitutions that would suggest that they were not ready mm -hmm. to just lay down. So, man, they ultimately get it done. The Abdullah Decore goal was fantastic. I, I like I said, I, was, I wasn't confident, but I also did feel like, I felt like there was a goal in them. Like, they had a couple of chances yeah. here and there. So, ultimately, they get it done. I don't know what it means for next year. We'll talk about some future relegation odds for the ne for next season, which Everton are shockingly not that low, which I don't, I, <laughs> again, I, th I think they should probably be in the top five for sure. They're not, spoiler alert. But 
Yeah, yeah man. All in all, just, you know, obviously happy. I don't know if this will, this is probably going to be something that's a yearly thing now for Everton, although it looks like they'll be sold. But overall, happy will be in the back in the Premier League next year. Good. I'm happy for you. And I mean, that was all just set up for Everton to go full Everton and for Bournemouth to get something in the 88th minute. Um, I mean, you're just kind of fortunate. This is why you always look at the schedule, try to play it out. Bournemouth, again, they tried. They're just not very good. Somehow Bournemouth wasn't relegated, arguably the worst team in the league this season. But they got a couple of key wins when they needed them and stayed safe relatively easily. So it was, uh, yeah, good job not going full Everton. Nobody wants to do that. They are, I mean, the Sean Dyche hire was the perfect hire, really. And it was, that for, yep, for, they made was. one right, they made one right decision in what feels like two years. And it was the decision that probably keeps them up. I think they have to mm-hmm. keep him. Like, even if they do get sold, I think you just got to keep him for continuity's yeah. sake. I, I truly do think if Everton just had like a striker, like an average striker to right. back up Calvert Lewin, they'd probably be a mid table team. I mean, with Dykes, they were on pace for, I think, like 44 points, which would have put them 12th. Yeah. Like, they'll be, they're not actually that bad. Right. Um, they yeah, just they got didn't, crushed by They didn't succeed and, by going, you know, they didn't look like Sean Dykes' Burnley, you know, and trying no. to scrape a goal out. Um, no. But I would love to know. I don't know if we'll ever really know the truth. How much of the Dykes hiring was a plan? Because, you know, we rag on Leeds for having no plan as far as, you know, getting rid of Marsh and bringing in everybody else. And it was pretty clear they didn't really have a plan there. Like, did Everton intentionally change managers at that time to go get Deitch? Or was it the same as uh, Leeds where you're just like, all right, we got to get rid of this guy. And Deitch fell in their lap. I don't know. I'd I'd love to know the answer because it was clearly the perfect decision. So if they had a plan, then it's brilliant. And if they didn't, well, good job kind of lucking into that one. I think they probably lucked into it in some ways. Uh, and But I, I also think Dice, he, I think he always kind of knew that that job was likely to be available. I mean, mm-hmm. they probably, they did fire Lampard. They should have fired him before the World Cup. They didn't. They waited. They lost a bunch of crucial matches that would have kept them probably easily safe to Bournemouth, Southampton. Like, there was this Oof. brutal run. Yeah, all the six-pointers. Uh, where, yeah, where they just couldn't, they couldn't do anything. And it turns out, I mean... Uh, Frank Lampard, great player. He's a horrible manager. I mean, the, the, <laughs> I don't, I, it's weird too because he had a decent first year at Chelsea with like right. a lot of backups. And he, but I mean, with Everton, it was terrible. Then this year, obviously, with the however many games at Chelsea, he's been terrible. So they should have let him go before that. But they, I think, ho, I think Everton knew like, all right, this decision has to be made now. And Dice is still out there. Let's just make them. We know the guy. We know he'll take the job. Let's just do it. Yeah. So I don't want to, I don't want to like act like I'm giving them credit, but they do deserve a little bit of credit there for at least not yeah. waiting too, too long. But, yeah. uh, man, I, again, I would not wish that on my worst enemy. That was absolutely miserable. And, you know, obviously it, it feels way worse now for, for Leeds and Leicester who are now officially down. You know, mm-hmm. Leicester, because they go up and that stadium is going nuts and they think that they're good. They know it's mm-hmm. nil-nil at the half. And 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 then to, to, to have everything go down and see that Decore goal. And it's also so fascinating. There's 10 minutes of added time in the extra game. So oh, the Leicester, Leicester's sitting there waiting to see if Bournemouth will score Brutal. the tying goal to keep them up. It's It's... You know, you could say what you want about like, all right, there's no playoffs in 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 like you know this type of soccer, like in league in league play across Europe. But sometimes, man, the final no, day when there's better. so many things up in no, the air, it, that was a perfect storm for a neutral. For yep. yeah, if I was you or anybody else who wasn't an Everton it's Leeds fantastic. or Leicester fan, man, that's just great theater. And you have so many different possibilities, whether it's a title, whether it's Champions League. There's there's almost always something at stake, and so you know, even if just one of those races comes through, um, I do want to take a moment to like kind of pour one out for Leicester. Like, just let me run through the last decade. 2014, they got promoted from the championship. Two years later, they win the Premier League. I know everyone <laughs> yeah. knows this, but I, I got to say it again. 5,000 to one, like literally changed the way preseason odds are set. Like that, you just won't find odds like that on a team and, very often anymore. And the uh, year before that, they basically almost got relegated, right? They were, I think they were right, 17. They finished, something. I think a little bit higher, but they were down there for a good chunk of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so they're in Champions League next year because they won the title and they make the quarterfinals. Uh, they finished top five two more times over that decade. They won an FA Cup. I mean, that's a 10-year stretch that's as good as any you know, kind of lower-level type of team can have, you know, outside your top, whatever, 5, 10, you know, Premier League stalwarts. That's just an unbelievable run. It's a, it's a story we may never see again in the Premier League. And so I just want to take a moment. Just got to appreciate it. You hope they're back for the memories and everything, but that was a heck of a decade for Leicester. I would assume they're they're almost too big now to not be back. I, 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 I would think, think so. But I, here's the thing: if, if if you were to say to Leicester fans, like, here's here's a decade for you. You're going to get promoted. You're going to win a title. You're going to win an FA Cup, and then you're going to get relegated all within a decade. You take. I mean, you take that. Sure. You absolutely sure. Take that. Right. Like, what's the like? You could it's be a very, mid-table team for 20 years. I'd rather take the two right. trophies and relegation. It reminds 
reminds me, I'm, look, I'm a Kansas City Royals fan. It reminds me a little bit of that. Terrible for so long. You know, then they had like a three, four-year run where they were decent. They had two World Series, won a title. Now they're terrible again. So it's, it's an extreme version. Uh, a different yep. sort of version, a different system, of course, but it's a little bit like that. Like, what do I trade the twenty years of awfulness I've had as a Royals fan for those two World Series and making and winning the title? Hundred percent. I'm like, sure Lester fans say the same. The question always was: Remember, back probably like 10, 15, 20 years ago, it was like, would you rather be the Oakland A's who are just kind of like relevant every year but never win anything, or would you rather be the Marlins who are terrible but just win a t- they win random championships? Like that's the yeah. question, and yep. the answer is always re- win championships because at the uh-huh. end of the day, like that's what it's all about, right? It's, right. it's you know, it's, it's it's lifting the silverware, it's winning the trophies. Right. So I know Lester fans, like I, you know, I I don't dislike. That's the thing about you know sometimes like you have a little bit of a rooting interest even as a neutral to be like, ah, I wouldn't mind if they went down. I don't want to see Leeds go down. I want to nope. see Leicester go down. Nope. Sa- Southampton, like I don't know, yeah. whatever. I mean, it felt like it was maybe their time. They should have gone um, down last year, probably. Yeah, and I think they'll they'll probably they're they're still a smart club. I I assume they'll they'll you know maybe be a yo yo club for for a few years. We'll see how it goes. But uh, I didn't I didn't want Leicester to go down. But obviously, as an Everton fan, I'm rooting <laughs> against them pretty much week yeah. in and week out. So, but you I mean, you look at the players in their team. It's like you know they they're they're a talented team. I imagine they're going to get poached. We'll talk about the Americans yeah. at Leeds in just a second. But I mean, Tielemans is going to be a free agent. I assume Vardy's going to stay with them. It seems like he's not yeah, going. He's, he's I, I would assume he's not going anywhere. Uh, Madison will be gone. Barnes, um, maybe. You know, yeah, Barnes will probably be gone. He's he's definitely a really quality, yeah. probably starting you know left sided midfielder winger yeah. type. Um, here's here's the stat for Leicester. They had 14 games that were decided by exactly one goal. They won two and they lost 12. That's crazy. I mean, the worst in the Premier. Like, I mean, you just can't. You know, two other teams had more one goal losses, but they had a bunch more wins also. Like you go two and twelve in one goal games. Well, you, you have these numbers unlucky. too, right? Weren't the yeah. three worst goal differential teams and the three worst maybe XG goal differential teams? Weren't they all safe too? I think it wasn't Bournemouth bottom. Yep. Uh, I Forest, think Forest, and then, and then uh, Southampton ended up 18th, but just like a third of a goal better or worse toward, or more toward the bottom than Wolves. So yeah, yeah I mean, so Leeds was 15, uh, Leicester was 13, Southampton was 18. And expected goal difference, and it's tight, so that, you know it's not a black and white thing. But just to give you an idea of over the course of the season, you know Leicester was about ten goals better than Bournemouth, Forest, Southampton, but Leicester's the one that got sent down instead of those other two. Just I mean, you go two and twelve in one goal games. I mean, you just that's, be a problem. Almost, that's extremely <laughs> difficult to overcome for a you know a middle of the table type of team. Gonna gonna be a problem. Gonna be a big problem. Well, uh, let's get to the Leeds and, and the and the American guys. I mean, obviously Leeds go down now. They were Oof. washing through managers. Obviously finished the season with Big Sam, and yeah, it's obviously Tower Adams has been hurt. So he's he's he his injury really changed the trajectory yep. of their season. You could say like obviously Jesse March going like you could look at sort of the pie chart of like what they've done, and then since yeah. it's Jesse March, Tower Adams getting hurt, and then just dropping off of the cliff. So, right, so he's with with Adams. They gave up 1.4 goals per 90 minutes when he was on the field. When he was not on the field this season, 2.7 goals per 90 Man, minutes they gave up. And, and the underlying numbers aren't quite that drastic, but it's close. You know, it's a goal per game difference with and without him. I mean, it's it's never that simple, but it kind of is in this case. You take away the guy who is your defensive midfielder who cleans up so many problems before they even start, and then it just makes everybody else, uh, just the flaws in that back line and everywhere else that much more evident. So let's start with him. So it sounds like, you know, he's going to be sought after. It's it seems like there's so. a few teams that are that are interested in him. I mean, Arsenal. There's been rumors for a while. I mean, maybe not as a starter, but as a rotation type of guy. We talked about how valuable mm-hmm. defensive midfielders are. Like they're just not. They're just a, they're just a tough position to find, especially young good ones that are that can grow. I mean, that's why you saw, as we said, Casemiro at age thirty getting a fifty million dollar transfer fee. You don't see that yep. much for 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 guys of his age, but. So I, I think there will be interest. I assume Leeds will try to hold on to him because some of the other guys, I mean, McKenney's definitely gone. We'll get to him in a second. Aronson, yep. uh, who knows? I mean, he's got a release clause in his contract. I imagine they'll try to hold on to Adams, but I don't know that Adams would want to play. He's, he's he to me, he's too good to play in the championship. Yeah. And I think he's one of the few pieces Leeds can get a good chunk of money for. Um, I mean, I'd love to see him like Brighton. I don't think Brighton's uh, going to pay. But, to but I mean, Caicedo. I'm assuming Caicedo's leaving. Uh, McAllister's probably leaving, so there's holes in that midfield. Uh, I'd love to see him there, just selfishly, because they know what they're doing. It's a well-run team, etc. I can't imagine they would pay. I don't know what he's going to ask twenty, thirty million, something like that. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect Brighton to to splash that kind of money, but maybe because there is a case that Adams has more upside, and they could have him for a couple of years and sell him to Arsenal for twice the price or something like that. There's a case. I'm, I'm, um, 
I do feel yeah. like anytime you could buy at a discount for Americans, like you should, like they're they're yeah. they're like they they have like the English tax in some ways. Like they just oh oh well, it's the marketing dollars. Like we'll get right. an American in because we'll right. get more fans, which doesn't really actually translate to anything. Maybe Brighton are smarter than that, but it does feel like if you could buy low on an American player, there is some right. value there, and maybe they can get less because they know Leeds has to sell. Maybe mm-hmm. there's a, a possibility there of doing that, but I feel like. Adams could go to just about any Premier League team just from a fit into the club standpoint. And it's just a matter of, do you want, does he want to go to a club where he's like a locked-in starter, you know, kind of like he was at Leeds? Or does he want to try to go to an Arsenal and play his way into the team or be a more of a rotation guy or something like that? Um, with the upside of obviously a bigger club, potentially more money, and you have Champions League and, and trophy aspirations that you might not have at a Brighton or somewhere like that. I don't think there's a wrong or right answer, but uh, that's, that's I feel like, the decision from a player standpoint, as much control as he has, at least. He's got to decide. You know, All these guys do. Every American who's going to move has got to decide. Do you want to play for that top club and maybe be fringier as far as the 11 goes, or do you want to be the guy at a you know, mid-table dev team? I doubt it'll happen, but I'd love to see him at Fulham. Because Fulham, oh, yeah. it's like likely lose Polina, who's who's there, fantastic. I mean, they bought him a year ago. Now his, mm-hmm. I feel like his transfer value is like tripled since then. Uh, yeah. Fantastic defensive midfielder. He'll probably get scooped up they by one him. of the big ones, and he'd be a good like for like replacement. Obviously, oh. not as good, maybe, but still like a good guy that can at least stabilize the midfield and then fit in with two other Americans already there. They could be the new Leeds United. Their defense was a mess. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really Fulham could have been relegated. That sounds crazy for a team that was you know not threatened, but they ran so hot the first half of the year. And but their underlying numbers were you know bottom five for the most part. Uh, yeah, he'd be a perfect fit. He'd be exactly what they need, especially uh, you know if they have holes in their midfield too. Another guy I'd like to see at at Fulham is uh, Brennan Aronson. We'll get to him. Tom sure. Bogart re- reported that he indeed does have a relegation clause in his contract, which essentially makes it easier for him to be sold. I assume right. there's Cheaper. some number that a team can 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 now hit. I think he was bought for like what something like around thirty mil. Mm-hmm. From uh uh you know fr- a couple years ago yeah from Salzburg which is a, a pretty big fee obviously you know mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that he I don't know that he lived up to it but I you know I, I still think he's a young talented player he actually could probably be okay I think he could use a year in the championship and just play a ton and you, you mentioned before the show you're probably right he'd get beat up there that's a that's a gruesome mm-hmm. schedule and we'll see yeah. how it goes but I just think just playing all the time and getting your confidence up and he'll they'll likely play an attacking style there because he'll be one of the better teams likely I don't yep. think that would hurt him but i still think he'll probably likely be gone because of that clause yeah and work he could go again he could go to any problem mid-table or below premier league team i'd take him uh, at everton in rb i'll take oh, that right yeah. now <laughs> yeah i mean everyone needs wingers he's got the work rate i think premier league managers teams like uh that's very obvious uh, it seems like he stays there i mean he could go you know to germany or something like that but england i feel like once you get there the money is there and you tend to want to stay there, especially I think as an American, I think there's a you know life factor. Yeah, it's easier. You speak yeah. English and it's more comfortable and you've got other guys around, stuff like that. So yeah, you could plug him into really just about any, you know, he's, he's I don't think has a real shot like a top six type of club, but just about anywhere else, you can use a, a winger with that kind of work rate for sure. Yeah. And then last but not least, we have Weston McKenney, whose loan basically expires. There was an option from Juventus for Leeds to buy him, but that, because of the relegation, nope. I don't think was just not. Obviously, they're not going to take that. It might have even just not even existed because of the relegation. And the the British tabloids they got a little mad at our guy because he was he was photographed leaving on a train. You know that Sunday after the game, he hasn't really been involved much over the last two managers that were there. It was clearly just a bad loan overall. I mean, he was loaned there with Jesse Marsh in mind as the coach. He gets fired, and then things kind of snowballed, and he's not a, a part of the team really. But it does. It does seem like the, the Americans, I mean, there was a lot of Twitter chatter about like blaming the Americans, like the Leeds United USA thing for the reason they got relegated. That's not even that's not even true. Like, yeah, no. all right, you can argue that they may be overspent on a couple of them, Aronson specifically, but they're not the reason Leeds went down. I mean, no. if you look at, I mean, Patrick Bamford's one health and two finishing rate is pathetic. Bad. There are wingers, not a, no one on the team could finish at all. I mean, it's just... It was it was a collective effort to sit here and blame some of the U.S. players and act like it's because they went all in on the U.S. identity thing yeah. that they got relegated. It's such a it's such a dumb tabloid thing. And I yeah. saw a few even American like you know Twitter accounts. Mm-hmm. I won't name them, but just like m- trying to like do some clickbait stuff where they're trying to yeah. you know stir up some some drama. There's no drama there. Like they they like first off. Tyler Adams got hurt. If he's if he's healthy, they probably right. stay up. Right. So We're like it's not, yeah. it, he was yep. clearly an important player for them. So I I just thought that was really lame. And they were demonstrably worse 
after on the whole after Marsh left. And I'm yeah. not saying it was justifiable to fire him. I think you know it was kind of a 50-50 thing to me. But I mean, all the numbers just fell off a cliff in the last couple months of the season. Again, a lot of that was Adams. Um, yeah, pinning it on the Americans is it's just a easy lazy narrative that some people want to run with, and it's demonstrably not true by the numbers. I assume McKenny, he's not going to stay at Juve, I, I would guess, just knowing I what I know imagine. about the Italian league. I don't know. They're not going to get 35 mil like they had yeah. in the clause, I assume, for him because he just his stock is super low. But he's still a valuable player. He's a great, yeah. I mean, listen, he's a, he's a hardworking sort of like, you know, central midfielder, can play defensive, can play a little bit forward, depending on what you need. Um, I would fit, not. I would say he could fit in Brighton also. He would also you know, fit in Brighton, kind of, yeah. Especially if McAllister's gone. Um, I mean, Bournemouth and Villa were both kind of connected to him in January. Like Liverpool would weirdly be like out. a decent spot for him. I feel like. I mean, of, not as a starter, but as a rotation guy. Yeah. Um, yeah but it sounds it. like they. It sounds like they're bringing in like three totally different midfielders right. now and are are, yeah. are actually doing some decent business. So that won't happen. But I just he's like a hard worker. He seems like a Klopp style midfielder is what I'm saying. He just is yeah. a hard worker kind of engine type. It's not. I'm not like saying there's a rumor there. It just fits in with the English game too. Like England loves a hardworking midfielder. I mean, mm-hmm. look at all of them from the last twenty years. That's kind of a you know, different skills, obviously, but would be a yeah. He'll find another team, I would suspect, in England, but we'll see where he ends up too. Speaking of Juve, let's just stay with the U.S. stuff before we get to uh, like the Premier League, you know, odds for next year. Uh, there was a rumor today that Christian Pulisic, the favorite yeah. to land him, it seems like he's going to be leaving Chelsea, which I think everyone's happy about. He's got one year left on his contract. It sounds like they're just willing to take like a discounted fee to get rid of him because they've spent so much money. They have so many guys on their books already. Yep. And Juve at 20 mil, the rumor is, is the favorite to to land his services. I'll tell you right now, I would hate that. I think that would be terrible. As, assuming Max Allegri is still the manager of Juventus, they play a terrible style. Now, and in theory, yes. Do they need someone like him? Yes, they right. probably it's do. But I, Di Maria I, and Quadrado are probably leaving. Correct. Um, but they still have Chiesa. I mean, who knows about Vlahovic? Like, they're still, they still have some talent up front. I'm not saying he wouldn't play there. I think he would. Right. I just think the style, like Juve, this isn't, this isn't the Juve of a couple years ago. Not that Juve were some, you know, the, like the Barcelona prime teams of offensive, right. you know, flair and free-for-all football. But they are just pathetic. Like, they just sit back. Like they, they are just not an attractive team to watch. I don't think it'd yep. be a good fit, fit for him at all. I, I think Italy would be a good place. Yeah, but Milan would be like better. Milan, Napoli, some of these other teams that play a little bit more progressive style where you have the ball, not defending for 70 minutes yep. of a game. And, I mean, selfishly, you go to Juve, you're not in Champions League this year, but this coming year which, you know, you want them to be playing both just selfishly and for development purposes. So, yeah, that's a problem. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him stay, of course, in England also. And you could plug him into a lot of different teams. But again, it's a question of what where is he willing to go? You know, I, somebody on Twitter said he should go to Bournemouth. You know, told us a few weeks ago, Bournemouth would be a good yeah. fit, which is true. Except, you know, it's Bournemouth. Like, does he want to go there? Probably not, you know, going from Chelsea to Bournemouth. If you have a Juve, Blonde, whatever option out there. Uh, Bournemouth also probably, I think Juve said one of the big issues was his wages, you know, his, yep. his salary per week. So if Juve is balking at that, Bournemouth almost surely would as well. I don't know. He, I mean, Bournemouth yeah, were like they about to buy Nicola Zaniolo from Roma. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe not. As much money as in the England game. You make more money, I believe it was like, yeah, like the, you make more money just staying up as like the 17th team in the Premier League yeah. than like the champions of Italy or Germany or whatever. Probably. Necessarily yeah, it's a hundred million dollars. Just in the TV deal, basically, for staying up, yeah. like guaranteed. You know, that's not factoring in, obviously, as we said, merchandising, sponsorships, uh, potential more prize money, finishing a little higher on the table, et cetera. It's, it's crazy how much England is kind of outstripping the rest of Europe from a financial standpoint. Uh, just, to, just to put a bow on that, United, Newcastle, Milan, Napoli, and Galatasaray were all also kind of rumored for, for Christian Pulis' services. Mm-hmm. I mean, Newcastle would be interesting. They have a lot of attacking players, though. I just don't know that you want to... Th- that feels like he'd be in the same position he was in Chelsea, where it's just like he's having to fight for his spot every week. And, right. you know, I, I don't know that he's... He's definitely not... I don't think he's first choice there uh, by any means. So, you know, it's sure they're in the Champions League, but I don't know if that's the right spot. And then United, yeah. uh, same deal. They have a million wingers. They need a striker. They don't need another winger. So, yeah. I, I'm... Milan, as even as a Roma fan, like, I know it would suck, but I think Milan and Napoli are actually two decent spots. I, do too. I think those are probably first choice, independent of everything else, where I'd like to see him go. Uh, last last bit of U.S. men's national team news here. We have a new coach, new interim manager. Hey. Um, Anthony Hudson is stepping down to, you had sort of said this, and I'll let you elaborate on it, potentially maybe another job somewhere, but B.J. Callahan replaces him. He's going to take over this summer for a couple competitions. I don't know what this really means. It probably doesn't mean much, uh, but, you know, I guess the, there's, there's news and we're reporting on it. Yeah, I mean, I suspect in the next week you'll hear 
that Hudson's taking an international head coaching job. You know, you can't just sit around and wear that interim tag. Aspect uh, was clear that he was not going to get the U.S. job. I don't know that anyone ever really considered him a serious candidate for the permanent one. So I suspect he'll get an international job. You know, he was at Bahrain, New Zealand. Uh, so I, I'm guessing something, you know, in that tier is what we'll, we'll end up with. And as far as Callahan goes, you know, hasn't been a head coach in a long time, if, if ever. I don't think ever at the top level. Uh, he's been in the system, though. And I feel like today, you know, we're two weeks from Nations League. Right? You can't bring in a new coach, really, at this point. So, I, sure, I guess. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. You just got to kind of keep the train moving, I guess, or, or whatever the bad analogy is for not changing things up too much. And, you know, I, he was obviously involved in not so much the style, but just kind of keeping this team going and bringing in guys and, and figuring out what they're doing kind of for these next few months. So, sure, it's, it's obviously not an ideal situation, but it's, it's fine. It does feel like this summer, though, there has to be some finality to this, right? Like, yeah. I mean, and, and the other piece of news we'll get to is that, you know, Jesse Marsh, who's been like the main favorite, really. Uh, and it, it, there, ha- there were also reports over the last week that like it's all but done and dusted that he is going to take the job. But yeah. there were rumors that he's apparently in play for the Monaco job as well, because there's a former Leipzig, uh, one of those Red Bull guys. Is, Paul is Mitchell running. is the technical director, I think, of all Red Bull soccer, like all the clubs. Yeah, yeah and, and you know, seems like a natural fit. I, again, you know... Uh, I, I, if you're all, if all your eggs are in his basket and he ends up leaving, then maybe you're left kind of like, you know, in a disaster situation. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I would, I guess we'll wait and see how it plays out, but they do have to, I mean, they have to figure out this summer. I was not, uh, yeah. I was not mad about them waiting to hire somebody. I just thought waiting until the summer actually made sense, but now yeah. it's kind of go time. All right. Who's available. Said, Let's start making moves. Crocker said in an interview this week, he said, August is kind of their target, which you know makes sense. You get by that, you get by the gold cup. Uh, you know, you try not to step on the women's world cup too much. Uh, but yeah, you get it hired because they're going to have, uh, some friendlies in September. They just announced a couple of October against Germany and Ghana today. So they'll have two in September, probably a couple in November. Uh, I think against some pretty good opponents. Uh, so you get someone in place before you get those games going because that will really kind of start, I think, the ramp up to the World Cup. You get past these summer competitions, uh, you know, we're obviously in the World Cup cycle, and those will be the kinds of games that the U.S. is going to try to put together with all these friendlies to try and get ready for that World Cup over the next few years. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Looking forward to it. You know, yep. I like to, you know, we'll get people in place. I mean, the, the 11 is sort of taking place. I think the squad is looking good. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, obviously with Balogun, we talked about that uh, multiple weeks on this pod. And so he's actually rumored, I think, to go to a few places. Milan being one yeah. of them. Doesn't seem like he's going to stay yeah, at it's, Arsenal. It's on. wild. Like, you look at the rough starting 11, like at least eight have a very up in the air future. You know, we talked about Blissett, yeah. Kenny, Musa, and Adam Aronson. Uh, you know, Reyna is probably going to stay. He's probably secure. We don't know where Tim Weah is going to end up. Balogun, who knows? Uh, Sergio Dest. somewhere. Definitely not at AC No Milan. idea. Barcelona doesn't uh, want him. Yeah. yeah. Matt Turner's probably staying at Arsenal, but probably not playing much with Ramsdale having a new contract and there's no Europa League since they made Champions League. Uh, so yeah, so that's, you know, we just went through eight starters. Uh, Chris Richards is kind of stuck at Palace right now behind a couple guys. You want to see him play somewhere? Uh, I don't know if he's in the starting 11 today, but he's not that far off. We'd like to see him get there. So Anthony Robinson was rumored to go to Man City. Who knows? 
would so, hate that. I'll tell you no. that right now. <laughs> would hate that. Um, <laughs> a lot of lead cup in his future. Yeah, I just I don't, come on. It's like you're still young. Hey, you see what games. see what Pep can do with him. You never yeah. know. Yeah. Pep will uh, turn him into a central midfielder or something. Pep, I mean, there's a lot of pictures of, of Pep and like embracing him. He's talked about yeah. Robinson in the past, how much he likes him. I mean, there's definitely where there's smoke, there is fire. But I, I mean, if I'm him, I, mean, I don't know if I like that. You move. need a speedy guy. Kyle Walker's not as fast. Robinson's on the other side, but he's not as physical as Walker is. Um, nah, I'm just kind of trying to make it happen in my head. But it, it's hard to see. I right? want to watch our players, Paul. I'm tired of having them play at big clubs <laughs> and staying on the bench. So we've, we, we, That's we've right. got, we, it's like there's, we've gone through phases. It's like, oh my God, pull a six to Chelsea. We've got yeah. Stefan at Man City. We've got Turner at got, Arsenal. Got but now it's like, oh, cool. I just watch them sit on the bench all right. the time. And like, this isn't fun. And now yeah. they're stunting their development. Like, I don't want any of this. Nope. So Number one thing, people always ask where she goes. Like, in somewhere you can play. Where you play. play. That's why Italy is a great option because these Italian teams, they will play these guys. Like, guys so. We've seen a lot of the young you know, English guys that don't get run at some of the bigger clubs, like the mm-hmm. Tammy Abrahams, looks like Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Tamori, right. uh, Smalling. They're like, screw I'll go play for one of the big Italian teams and I'll play week in and week out and I'll be yeah. in the Champions League. That, to me, is the route that some of these guys should be taking. So That's true. That's another rant for another day. But uh, <laughs> before we get to some of the future uh, betting odds for next year's Premier League season, why don't you go through some of the, the preseason bets that you had this season, Paul? Ooh, we'll talk okay. through our okay. wins and I'm losses, s- I guess. Yeah, I'm going to start with the things that did not work out. Uh, I had Liverpool title, plus 250. I mean, that was really just, you couldn't take Man City at, I think they were close to minus 200, minus 150, mm-hmm. somewhere in that range. So Liverpool is the next best shot, which again, whatever, not that terrible, but obviously didn't work out. Uh, had Tottenham top four, didn't work out. Yeah. What was the number uh, on that? Minus 150, not so great. Uh, at Palace top half at plus 225, and they finished 11th. Uh, uh, geez, there they go. just, they, they weren't as good, to be honest, as thought they were going to be. The, the one I don't regret, I had Harry Kane golden boot plus 600. He got 30 goals. You could argue, too, that... What, what, what do you want? Here's the thing. Again, we, both uh, both you and I, when we talked about the Golden Boot in the preseason, we're like, eh, Holland? Like, yeah, I don't know. I, we'll see how yeah, it goes. Well, he, like, he I don't was, think either of us would, would advocate that you would take him for that price. Run. Yeah, the price was bad. And and I mean, to be fair, we also did... I mean, we did have some questions about, like, how dominant he would be right away. Neither right. of us thought he was going to be some scrub who was going to be a no. flop. But no. it was like, all right, how does he fit into Pep's system? Like, is he going right. to be able to just, like... Are Because they, they did, they did. I mean, midway through the season, they really did cater their entire team to they playing a different style that played like him. And like mm-hmm. it worked out well, so credit to them. But we had some question marks. But I will say, to your Harry Kane point and bet, you could argue, like, no one scored a bigger percentage, I believe, of their team's goals than Harry Kane did for Tottenham. So. And, you know, do I think Harry Kane would have scored similar to the amount of goals that, that, uh, that Holland scored at City this year? Yeah, I probably. do actually think yeah. he probably would have. I, that doesn't mean that I don't think they're better with, with you know, with Kane over Holland or whatever, but right. there's levels to this to me. And I think Harry Kane, like, that's almost, I don't want to say it's a more impressive season than Holland, but scoring 30 goals kind for of. an anemic Tottenham yeah. team is is pretty damn impressive. So I don't it's think it's a of, bad bet at all, Paul. It, yeah, it's kind of the MVP thing, you know? Like, uh, you take Holland off Man City, they could maybe still win the title. Yep. You take Harry Kane off Tottenham, and they're a bottom half team for sure. Certainly after this season, yeah. So, yeah, so that, that's one that didn't work out, but I regret nothing about that one. Um, you on the good side, I had Wolves in the bottom half. So that was a pretty easy I, one. I followed you uh, on that one. You were very confident in that, uh, yeah, and, I, yeah. and I tailed you on that. Before the and season. I mean, yep. if they hadn't brought in, uh, uh, what's his name? New uh, head coach. Lopetegui, right? Thank you, yes. Yeah. yeah. So if they hadn't brought him in, like they were terrible at the midpoint. They were they might have been relegated. very relegation yeah. threatened, but they did a good job bringing him in. Uh, and then at Arsenal top four, plus 165, that was a good one. Yep. Easy cruise and Southampton relegated plus three hundred. So did a few. I also had Southampton. Uh, yeah, good ones there. So yeah, it was it was uh you know all my preseason bets came in like it was like minus a unit overall. But you know if Erling Holland hadn't gone supernova, we're yeah, we're trying good. to play for the tie here. You know that's what we, yeah. that's what we. You know, trying, trying to embarrass ourselves. Here we go. Uh, I was with you on the Southampton one. I think even after the preseason and the first game against Tottenham, I think they lost 4-1. I'm like, this team's in trouble. Yeah. And we talked about it. I just thought that was the lock of the year, really. They should have been and sent even, down last year. Yeah. And even Ward Prowse is like, that. you could just tell this season was different. Like, the club's yep. values weren't the same. So, I think we were, we definitely nailed that one. So, we got the Holland stuff wrong, but we did also get Southampton potentially right. And I tailed you on the Wolf stuff. So, big big W's there all around. Yep. As, yeah, for, a, as for next season, Paul, let's do this. All oh, right. This is, the, this is your 23-24 Premier League title winning odds. So, Never to lift the Premier League trophy. Uh, Man City, shocker, is the favorite. <laughs> minus 190. So I guess maybe a little bit. You said it was, I think, at the 200s last year. Minus 200. So like a little yeah, bit. Yeah, in the same range last year. Yeah, same range. Um, 
Newcastle, number Whoa. two at plus 850. We are Ooh. just, I mean, we are drinking the Kool-Aid for Newcastle yeah. here. I think that's a little bit aggressive, but hey, you never know. Arsenal, who were basically leading for most of the season, plus 1,000. Liverpool, plus 1,000. Manchester United, plus 1,200. Chelsea, 1,800. Then you get into your longer shots. Brighton, 3,400. Tottenham, uh, 6,500. Uh, Aston Villa then is like 16,000. Then we can go on here now. <laughs> I, I will say, I, you and I have both talked in, in the season about how next season's Arsenal team probably will regress. It's, gonna, it's just hard, especially if they're going to be in the Champions League. But plus 1,000. I, 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 I just... Jeez. I think we're I think we're just drinking too much Newcastle Kool-Aid. They had a great year. They had almost no problems whatsoever. Um, sure, they're going to add people. They're going to have money to spend. I'm not saying they won't be better on paper. Right. Uh, but I, I don't know, man. The second odds, that, that seems a little bit too much for me. I mean, they're definitely pricing in. Newcastle's going to you know go find a real center forward and a couple other guys to make this, uh, a, obviously, a title-contending team. That's definitely factored in. Um, yeah, I feel like Arsenal... I mean, Newcastle, like their expected goal difference over the course of the season was better than Arsenal's. So it's kind of reflected here. But you do feel like Arsenal, again, also just a piece or two. They find the right pieces and, you know, shore up that defense, keep the defense healthy. You know, defenders, yeah, yeah. yeah, who do you think is close, the season. Who, who do you think is close to winning a title? Like, who, uh, right next year, you're like Arsenal or Newcastle. Like, I the feel like it Arsenal. has to be Arsenal. I mean, part of it's just because they've been there, you know, in the race, I mean, you know, for, 80% of the season, they were right there, leading it, you know, for the most days, anybody in the Premier League era had led without winning the title or something. That's a quirk of scheduling in some ways, but, you know, the point still stands. Um, yeah, I feel like they've got another gear or two if they can stay healthy and plug a couple holes. So, yeah, I'm not rushing out to play any of these, but if I had to play one today, I would probably take Arsenal at plus 1,000. Yeah, Liverpool at plus 1,000 too. Now, there's been a lot of rumors about them adding uh, Thuram, uh, them adding McAllister, a couple midfielders that they yeah. desperately need for actually decent prices. If, if what's rumored is true, they'll be doing some good business pretty early in the window. They're still going to have Europa League, so they'll still be, they'll be playing that dreaded Thursday-Sunday schedule, which I yeah. can tell you right now sucks. Uh, but I, I, don't, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I don't, think they, I, think they, I don't know that they turn around or are a title team next season like i think Klopp can kind of rebuild this team on the fly but yeah i think they lost too much they're they're in a real transition period here um so i I wouldn't say them i think it's got to be Arsenal. i think united is kind of interesting depending on like if they can get if they get harry kane like if they get harry kane hypothetically right um you know maybe they get declan rice you know they go out and they spend a ton of money this summer and they really just try to do this thing i i don't i don't hate united i at at 1200 i certainly like them better than newcastle i just this idea that newcastle I mean, have they now like replaced Tottenham as the as the big six team, like one in, one kind you of. know, one out? I guess because if Tottenham lose Harry Kane, I don't know what the future of them looks like. Oof. It's going to be a weird couple of years. Even if uh, they keep Harry Kane, like you almost they almost need to sell him now. I think I would sell him. I would, yeah, because think, another year or two now, you know, he's not going to score thirty goals again, almost certainly. Uh, so he's, you're selling him at his kind of late peak, and get some money for him because yeah if they wait two more years and try to you know cling to him and, and get a couple I think he could leave uh, after I think he has one year on his yeah, contract I think it, too right I think that's so, right yeah so you basically have to sell him now or you're going to let him go for free like right and I understand so, it's you know he's turning kind of a Tottenham guy and a legend of the club and all that so I mean there's some emotional factor but purely from a business standpoint like now's the time to sell because yeah United or somebody will overpay for him uh, and you can take that money and you know turn it into some young guys that Tottenham so desperately needs to revitalize the club. Would you take 60 million for him? 60? Uh, yeah, I would. I think, I think I would too. I think, I think anything I north mean, of definitely, I'd say 50 and up. I think maybe even 40. 40 seems low. Uh, feel a little 50, low. 50 is probably the lowest I'd go. I mean, yeah. you gotta have some self-respect for you. You know, you have some, you know, yeah. I guess 60, I think I would, I would, I think you gotta take that. And, yep. But again, I, I this idea that Newcastle now is just going to be year right. and year up top fourteen. Just a lot like of, maybe a lot of questions. Maybe, but I'll I'll, I'll, I'll let me wait and see how that goes. Because right. again, you're going to be playing in more comp- another competition next year in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about buying players, but it's about squad depth. Which you know they, right. they do have some decent depth and they'll right. have money. But I don't know. I just I just don't eight fifty for me and, and the number two team as far as favorites to me was a, was a bit much. Yep. Um, let's go to the relegation one because this is in some ways more interesting. <laughs> Luton Town is the favorite to go down at minus yep. 250. Sheffield United minus 150. Then we have Bournemouth plus 200. Yeah. So that's your that's your three favorites to go down. Burnley, who are also being promoted this season, are fourth at plus 210. Nottingham Forest plus 250. Fulham plus 340. Fulham, with, so they, they've obviously seen the XG and know that this team drastically right. overperformed what they were doing this year uh, and could have a drop-off next year. And then you've got Everton somehow in seventh, the seventh best or worst odds, however you want to say it. 
at plus 380. To me, Everton's got to be way, I would have them at like plus 250, right? Not in Forest. Like until I see something, until I see the new ownership right. come in, until I see a striker come in or, you know, another center back or somebody that can help them, I, I, I think Everton are going to be in the same position they were this year next year. <laughs> It's kind, of, it's kind of the same as Newcastle in a sense. You know, Newcastle, you got to show me that you're good enough to be a title contender. Everton, you got to show me you're good enough not to be a relegation. To be a mid-table team. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. You got to show me that. I mean, two years in a row, we talked about they have the talent, but the club just kind of seems messy while they sort out this ownership thing. Uh, yeah. Plus 380 is pretty appealing right now. Again, they've got a decent shot at and, and enough money to go buy two, three, four players that could make a big difference. Uh, I mean, really, but really, so does pretty much anybody in the Premier League, possibly. So, uh, plus three eighty is pretty tempting, especially given the gap between them and some of those other teams that they weren't much better than this season. And last year, just just for like you know comparison's sake, Bournemouth, Forest, and Fulham, all the newly promoted teams were one, two, and three for most likely to be relegated. Right. Yeah. Then so it was then it was Leeds. Bournemouth to be not not the or for Burnley not to be the worst. That t- really tells you that they're seeing those underlying numbers in Bournemouth and that they could have, should have been sent down this year. Uh, plus 200 on Bournemouth, I think, is not too bad. Yeah, I mean, Burnley, you know, they obviously play an exciting style. The issue with, like, when you play that style, we've seen this kind of happen with Norwich. Like, Norwich, like, they, they'll, like, light up the, the past right. years, not necessarily this year. They'll have they'll play this expansive, great style, right. and they'll score a bunch of goals, and they do that, and they can't do that in the Premier League because you right. can't play that style against better competition. And right. I do worry a little bit about Burnley. Now we have JJ Watts investment, so who knows? Maybe that oh, changes boy. things around. But I I highly doubt he's you know buying you know thirty million dollars strikers. So we'll see how that goes. And they are keeping Vincent Company, who is their coach and who was rumored to you know be in for the top job and a few other jobs. So he is staying. So that's that's definitely mm-hmm. big for them. But. You know, who knows? Like that, we've just seen that style not necessarily translate yeah. from the championship to the Premier historically League. good defensive teams fare better after promotion than good offensive teams on the whole. Um, you know, we've seen Fulham has been this yo-yo club for so many years. They, they were great attacking in the uh, championship and then tried to do something similar, and it didn't work out. This year, it finally did, and they stuck. Uh, but again, they got a little bit lucky, which is why they're just the sixth favorite. That it looks, you know, just look at the relegation favorites and seeing them that far down seems odd considering they finished in the top half. But again, the underlying numbers and you know, everything went their way, especially in the first half of the season. So it, it makes sense to see it, but it is a little jarring just based on what you're used to looking at at the table. And again, for comparison's sake, Leeds were the fourth most likely team to go down this year. Then it was Brentford, then it was Southampton, sixth at seven to two. Then we had Everton at plus 500 before Ooh. this season to go down. So I guess they've gone, it's, it's gotten worse. So <laughs> they're are, they are, worse. Okay. Yeah, but I, I still think 380 is, is way too high until we see some actual changes to this club. So we'll see. And for the record, Leicester were 16, uh, plus 1600 yeah. uh-huh. to, to go down. So if you had a bet on that, congrats to you because you're probably doing super well right now. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, it, I think it'll be, this was kind of the first year. I mean, certainly, obviously, none of, the, none of the newly promoted teams were relegated, which is definitely really interesting and somewhat new. It does feel like Luton Town, man, they're going to have to make some changes. I don't know. They, they feel like, I don't want to, listen, enjoy your time with the Premier League. You're going to be renovating your stadium, which is great. It's, it's one of those, I, I like those kind of stories, but man, yeah. it's going to be a fight. It's going to be an uphill battle for them to stay up. Yeah, it's going to be fun seeing that 10,000 seat stadium, those Premier League games. Uh, I hope Ethan Horvath can stick around. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We, we don't know. We'll see if, because he's on loan right now, I believe. Is it Bruges? So, I, yeah, I think it was somewhere. Yeah, he was, yeah, yeah so I'd like to see him stick around and play. But yeah, again, it's really just he's got to play somewhere and see what happens to the U.S. keepers. All the U.S. keepers just need to play. You know, it was great. It was good that Stefan got playing time and seemed to kind of recover from you know, a tough year missing the World Cup squad and such. Uh, yeah, Turner, you want to see play wherever Stefan and Horvath land. You want to see them on the field, too. Let me ask you this. So obviously, as I mentioned, Leicester were plus 1,600 last year to get relegated. Is there any team in that sort of range right now that you got your eye on going, hmm, like, I know that doesn't obviously happen a lot, but if you were to take a long shot relegation next year, knowing that we don't know any of the winter, the summer transfer window yeah. or anything like that, but just like a, a club vibe overall, like is because you've got Wolves at plus 500. They seem, they seem to have stabilized too much. Crystal Palace is plus 700. West Ham, 1,000. Villa, who are now in the, in the conference leagues, so they're in Europe at plus 1,300. I, I kind of feel like Everett is the best value here. Yeah, and maybe Palace. I mean, there's a big, you know, who's their manager going to be? There's Grand Potter rumors out there that, you know, would like to think he would stabilize the club. I think that'd be um, a good hire. I think that yeah, would be. I, I think it would be a really good hire. Um, so yeah, you could, you could talk me into Palace or Wolves, you know, assuming, probably not Wolves, assuming they keep their manager. But yeah, I'd say Palace of that the mid middle half or so is probably the one I would look at. Of course, there's a big asterisk now because you just don't know what a team's going to do. 
with players or the coach. But that's probably the one of those that I would look at the most. All right, from one sad story relegation to another sad story, hmm. uh, BVB, man, man. Uh, we oh. we didn't we spent a little bit of time like basically trying to figure out how to bet this game against Mines. And like it was like, hey, do, are you cool laying the two goals for them to win? Because we I just was. think it was they were minus seven hundred. Yeah, you were. I thought I didn't think it was a terrible thing. I didn't bet it myself necessarily, but and they end up just straight up drawing against my. They were down two nil. I mean, I again, it's it. They're they're like the little engine that could like they're the small guy. They're the David in this Goliath situation right. fighting against Bayern. So like, yeah, I don't want to criticize them too much, but man, that. That was a pretty epic choke job, not getting a win at home against a team that had nothing to play for uh, to win your first Bundesliga in over a decade. It's It was a really sad scene to watch. I know there were injuries on the pitch, but at, watching that game, they just didn't come out. They came out kind of flat. It was really weird. No, it took them like, it seemed like an hour to really get into the game. I mean, the numbers overall for the game ended up okay. Like, Dortmund had four expected goals to under like 1.8 for Mines. Now shot Mines 29 to 10. So in the long run, it seemed fine, but you know that's part of that is just game state because yeah, mine scored on two of the first three shots, and I mean that was almost it right there. Other than you know Dortmund had to actually win, which that was pretty dramatic as well before Musiala got his goal. So uh, I mean, you know, you say it's so Spursy for Tottenham, whatever you know weird things they do, it's kind of so it doesn't sound as good, but it's kind of so Dortmundy for them to just go on this really great run since the World Cup. And then lay an egg when you're in about as good a spot as you can hope to be on the last day of the season. I will say for us U.S. fans, uh, and you know, you know, we talked about a lot of the U.S. guys before. When Gio came in that into that game, he obviously yeah. had two assists. Like the game changed. He changed the game. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. You know, he's not like a nailed-on starter there, but clearly, like he is one of the guys that drives their offense and was definitely the difference maker for them, at least making it interesting at the end of the game. Yeah, I'll be eager to see what happens to him next year. I mean, it's very likely he stays, but you know, the couple of those guys ahead of him. Uh, get sold and open up space because he played 22 games this year but only started four times. And part of that is injuries. Part of that is, you know, he's just really good off the bench. And part of it he is... He scored a lot of big goals. You're right. They wouldn't yeah, have been in that yeah, position had, without his com- him coming off the bench. Yeah. yeah. He had seven goals. I mean, only one American scored more in a, in a Bundesliga season and that was Eric Winalda back in the 90s. So, it, you know, it's a big accomplishment for him. It just felt a little bit muted because uh, he didn't do a lot at the World Cup, all the aftermath of that. And so much was just off the bench. Uh, plus, Dortmund, you know, they weren't we didn't think they were in the title race really until the last two, three weeks because, you know, they're kind of hanging around, but Byron's going to take care of business. And then, you know, all of a sudden they don't against Leipzig and Dortmund's in the driver's seat and then they crash the car. It would have been so funny too to see like if, if both teams didn't fail to win because you're right, Byron before <laughs> that Musiala goal and what was it, like the 82nd minute or something like yeah. that. They, you know, they, I didn't have that game on. I did have the bet and I did win that bet. It was like it was uh, to winning, be winning at halftime and full time because I thought they would just throttle them and they didn't, yeah. but they still ended up winning. But it was close. I mean, Dortmund still with a loss could have still won the title potentially without that Musiala goal. So it would have been very weird. But it does feel like, man, like you you really do have this like opportunity like once in a decade. Like yeah. you get Bayern down. And now there are some trends that show like Bayern the last, you know, five or so years have really like points wise just been just less. Yeah, less, not less, as good. Less. And so, you know, Tuchel, good manager, maybe we'll turn things around. They obviously fired a couple of their front uh, office staff guys. Um, club legends too, which is interesting. So we'll see. They, they need a stri- if anything, they just need a striker. This is yeah. why they're actually an interesting option potentially for Harry Kane uh, oh, to, to, to come there. And who knows? I mean, I mean, if if I'm them, like they they're not completely yeah. change. I don't think they pay money fortunes. But, but yeah, I don't know, man. I they, they I think that this year, like it just showed, point. like you need a center forward. Like they that's what they need. And they yeah. like Mane kind of played there, but he's not really a center forward. No. If you bring Harry Kane to that side, like they're back up to being. They missed that Lewandowski guy. Like that's, that's what the difference in this team really is now. It, yeah. Um. But it, but I just say that to say that it does feel like again this is like one of those like all right we're gonna be another decade before somebody else is able to kind of like luck out and catch Bayern right. on a down year. Right. You got to take advantage of your opportunities. I mean, you can get so close. I mean, look at you know Arsenal had a chance the year Leicester won the title, couldn't do it, haven't won a title since then. Um, the weird thing is like Bayern wasn't awful this season. They were still over the course of the year, all their numbers looked better than Dortmund's, uh, about ten goals better and expected goal difference over the course of the season. Part of it was just bad bounces. But yeah, that's what you have to take advantage of if you're Dortmund. You just don't get these title chances. I mean, Leipzig really was right there too. They just didn't get some of the bounces earlier in the season mm-hmm. to have a chance to make that push. Or that could have been a really crazy last couple of weeks. So yeah, you, you don't get a lot, a lot of opportunities, you kind of assume. And Byron's kind of cleaned house already uh, as behind the scenes. So it'll be interesting to see what they, you know, are they going to overreact and yeah, pay $60 million for Harry Kane or something? Uh, I don't know. 
but if you feel like they're about to go overspin on somebody, especially up top. Yeah. All right. So we, we go to the Premier League. We did a little Bundesliga. Let's get to some Spanish and Italian team action here. We got the Europa League final Ooh. recording this on a Tuesday evening. Roma. My, my squad Roma is in the Europa League final playing against just those dreaded, dreaded, uh, I don't even know what you call them, Sevillans. I don't even know what the, what the, yeah, you know, the term for that. that would be. But yeah, sounds about right. I mean, this really, Paul, is like the unstoppable force that is Sevilla in the Europa League. Six final appearances, six titles. They dominate this competition versus the immovable object that is Jose Mourinho having never <laughs> lost a European final he's 5-0 and in those games uh this is about as even as vegas will ever make anything sevilla is yeah. plus 180 the draw is plus 185 roma is plus 185 to lift the cup sevilla minus 110 roma minus 106 i will say i don't i don't man i'm nervous paul because i've been doing a lot of research here and just i like to see like who likes what and you know like what the vibes are people seem to like roma in this matchup which makes me very nervous as a roma fan all the numbers point to roma you know, they've been, they're one of the more unlucky teams in Serie A this season. Goal difference should probably be about 13 goals better than it is, uh, but they've underachieved on both ends of the field. Uh, Sevilla's in 11th, I think, in La Liga, and that's not a fluke. Like, all their numbers have them in that right in the middle of the table range. So, but they've got this Europa League devil magic for whatever reason. So, yeah, it seems like Roma should be a sizable favorite given what they've done over the course of the season, but the fact that Sevilla is so good in these cup competitions... Uh, regardless of you know who's playing or coaching, points to it being dead even. I mean, it seems like this has to be a low-scoring game because it's uh, Mourinho the, the, the and under, it's a the cup under finals. Is, it was like, like minus, minus 200, 200 or something, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's under two and a half, I, minus 200. Every Roma Sheesh. match, I mean, as always, I mean, the under is just, it's there's really zero value under two and a half in any Roma match, unless you're parlaying it with, like I like to do, the double chance, which maybe we'll get to that a little bit later. But yeah, I mean, so do you mentioned, yeah, yeah, Sevilla are the masters of this competition. They've done it year in, year out. But Roma are the masters of knockout competitions the last two seasons. Yeah, I mean, under too. Jose Mourinho, they obviously won the Conference League last year. And this is this is in seasons where their, you know, their Serie A campaigns were average, you know, c- considering they're probably below average considering what their, what their expectations or what they want to be. They want to be a Champions League team. And they finished, I think, sixth last year, fifth or sixth last year. And I mean, they're going to finish probably like you know pretty low this year, but they basically punted on the season. They're, they put all their eggs in the Europa League basket to try to make the Champions League. But Roma have been, I mean, you look at it, Paul, there is no team in Europe that is better XG against than Roma this season. They mm-hmm. are phenomenal. Their low block is is just incredible. They are the quintessential Jose Mourinho park the bus team and just nip a goal on the counter or on a set yep. piece. And that's how they keep advancing in these knockout competitions. So yes, Sevilla have the history, but Roma the last two seasons and specifically this season, they have been excellent, excellent, excellent in these knockout situations. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it seems like things are pointing to Roma. It just seems like they are the better team. They've got the coach. They've got the weapons. You know, they have enough. It's not like they, they don't play defensively because they have to, but it's, just, it's a choice. It's a Mourinho choice. Uh, they've got the ability to do it on the attack. So it, it seems like everything's pointing to Roma. But just the fact that the lines are so even, as you said, tells you kind of what you need to know about, uh, A, Roma's margin is so fine because if you're playing that defensive game, that's just the way it is. You know, one bad bounce, call, penalty, whatever, it's going to change everything. And B, just Sevilla's getting that kind of respect. Like if it were Valencia or whatever instead of Sevilla, Roma would probably be a more sizable favorite, yep. even if Valencia Sociedad, had all the same yeah. numbers, trip, yeah, whatever you want to be. Uh, so, I mean, it should be a fun one. This is this is kind of a, to me, this is kind of a classic Europa League final. This is what you want to see. These two, you know, decent to good teams, both have, you know, strong cases, uh, some history. This is, this is what you want to see. It's It'll be a fun Wednesday. Maybe not for you as a Roma fan. It's been a stressful but, uh, couple of weeks, Paul. I'm going to be yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah, you've had a tough, <laughs> tough finish to the season here. Hey, at least one team is fighting for trophies. The other one is just fighting right. to exist in, in a league. But one right. team at least is fighting for trophies. Yeah, I got a couple kinds nuggets. Of stress. I got a couple nuggets. So Roma, okay. uh, looks like Paolo Dybala will be back. Now it's whether or not how much time he actually plays. Right. Jose has said, yeah. you know, can he give us 20 to 30 minutes? It, Jose's done this though. He's he plays, we know he loves playing mind games. And I I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised like if I don't know if Dybala will start. Maybe he plays a right. half, but I actually think he'll he might give. Uh, be able to give them more than expected. A lot of game script will, will depend how right. much he plays. So yeah, if they need all, a goal, he'll probably come in earlier than later. But Always yeah. tough. You know, maybe normally you would sub him in the 70th minute or something, but you do that here and you got the extra time possibility looming and then he becomes a hindrance and things like that. So yeah, lots of lots of mind games and strategy to figure out for this one. 
for Sevilla, they're without Cunha, who might be their best overall player because mm-hmm. he stupidly got a red card for time wasting in this semifinal. So bad. It's so unbelievable. Bad. Second yellow red card. So he is, that's the only way you can be uh, right. suspended, too, by the way. That, you, that the, the red card or the yellow card accumulation stops in the semifinal unless you get a red card in the semifinal. Oh, so so that's a pretty tough blow to them because, I, again, I think he is their best overall player. Um, the other thing, too, Jose Mourinho in European finals has conceded. Two goals in five games, and two of and those both those goals came in the same game when it was Porto, when he was with Porto, and they still won. So he just does not give up goals. I could see this thing. So here's what's going to happen: this is going to be a low scoring <laughs> game unless Sevilla scores early. Then and then Roman has to open up, and otherwise they're going to sit back. It's exactly what happened in the Conference League last year against yeah. Feyenoord. They're going to sit around. back and they're going to nick one goal, and they're going to be just stout at the back. And it's it's one of those things too where like Roma's the personnel isn't high, but they play really well together as a team. So unless, like you said, maybe a weird penalty or some kind of bounce and Sevilla scores in the first 20, 25 minutes of the game. Otherwise, I think this thing is going for, like, I think an interesting bet, Paul, uh, halftime draws mm-hmm. minus 120, under a half a goal at halftime is plus uh, plus 360. If you're if you're looking under this year, I, I think the first half under is probably what you're looking to bet. Plus 360 for a scoreless I'm, first half? I'm, I'm sorry, plus 136. Okay, I should okay. say that. That, that, would be, that would be the value of the century. Sorry, plus I was going to hang up and go place a bet here for a second. It is uh, weird because they're like it, you can bet nil-nil half, and that's like mm-hmm. plus 120. But to just bet under a half right. goal, this is why you have to look at different things. Gotta check your markets. The under half a goal is actually significant. I mean, you know, it's, it's the difference between plus 120 and plus, uh, plus three. 136. I can't, I can't speak today, Paul. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think that's, I mean, even if there is that's a goal good. scored, that's, that's probably the side you have to be on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so. One way or the other, you just got to figure out a low scoring type of game is, is the way that you got to go here. Uh, I'll throw a couple things at you here. Okay. The do- Roma double chance under two and a half is about even money. That's, that's, I think <laughs> you're going to talk me into that. By the time kickoff tomorrow, I don't know that I'm going to bet on these. I don't like I when I bet on my teams. I yeah. typically like to he- like it's an emotional hedge. I will bet against them so that I'm either way. I'm actually happy. Either my team wins or I win some money. I don't like to. I don't love to bet on my teams to win, Paul. Yeah, I, I can understand that. Uh, and then Roma to lift the cup yeah. at minus 106 is still. I don't know. Like as the favorite to bet basically even money. I even money almost on both of these teams is per- seems pretty like a pretty mm-hmm. decent. Uh, proposition but i don't know i i we'll get to our best bets at the end of the pod i i, I don't know that i i don't know that i maybe i've talked you into something i don't even know that i've talked myself into this ball <laughs> well, just give me your give me your account i'll take care of things <laughs> there we go exactly uh all right let's get to the other final over the weekend this is going to be the fa cup final it's a manchester derby manchester Ooh. city taking on manchester united um this will be manchester city looking to get part two of their potential trouble against their bitter rivals man united so Manchester City, pretty big favorites, minus 220. The draw, plus 340. And Man United uh, is plus 490. Man, now City haven't played a really like important, even really that competitive match that mattered since the game against Real Madrid. I think everybody right. is assuming that City roll in this game. Any, any, I don't know that City are a great value here, though, but they seem a little overvalued based on what the numbers are. Yeah, it's tough. Um, I mean, I will... I feel like in any cup final, like the underdog is almost always a better value. Just, you know, we saw it with Chelsea and, and City in the Champions League final a couple years ago and things like that. Um, I, I do think United's, you know, hot finish, you know, they went undefeated or they won eight out of the last 11 with a draw mixed in. I think that was a little bit of, not quite a mirage, but a little bit flattering just because they didn't play almost anybody. They played one top six team on that run in and it was Brighton and they lost. Uh, so... I know United seems to have been rolling, but I think that might be a little bit optimistic if you're if you're looking at it that way. Uh, City was just—I mean—they were cooking like until they won the title. They were just looking as good as really. They weren't giving up any goals. Seen. No, yeah, they, they were winning everything. Eight of twelve games by two plus goals in the league that they won. Uh, of those twelve straight that they won before the last couple, that didn't matter at all. Um, so I don't know. I, I have these mixed feelings of the underdog is usually a better value, and I don't know how you bet against City. So to lift the cup, City minus three seventy, United plus two ninety five. Is that is that any better for you? I mean, I guess that's into extra time. Could they get it into extra time? I mean, I actually think there is some value here, Paul. If you go so United minus minus two, so basically like don't lose by two or more goals, and then just over right. a half a goal in the game, and that would be assuming that United have to score in that situation, which I think they actually kind of will. Like I don't hate the uh, I don't hate the both teams to score over two and a half. I don't hate United minus two and a half a goal. That's about even money. I, I think here's the thing is that United, even though they've been inferior to City for basically the better part of what feels like a decade, they do give them trouble constantly. Right. And, I mean, and they United beat them United, once this year. 
Yeah, all right, 2-1, right, yeah, right in the new year. Now, that was like mm-hmm. kind of when City were going through a little bit of a weird patch, but historically, yeah. like United will beat City, even when City is at like the highest of their powers. So, yeah. you know, yeah, all right, it's easy to say, all right, City's a better team, they're going for the treble, all right, blah, 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 blah. Part of me is like, I don't know that I'd be surprised if, if United kind of do the weird United thing again and kind of make this a game. Okay, it's a cup final. I say it all the time, one bounce, one weird thing, that's all it takes, and it turns the game on its head. It opens the game up. City has to press forward more. United gets another goal, whatever it is. Yeah, weird stuff can happen. It's just really hard for me. Maybe I still just have these lingering Real Madrid game memories in my head. That was scary. Yep. The, <laughs> the thought of just betting against City is just like, do I want to deal with this for two hours emotionally? I don't. I don't know yep. if I do. What you know against City? You know, I can see a case for like a City win and and an under four and a half or under three and a half to be you know close to even money or better. Um, but again, you're going to root against City scoring goals. I, I don't know if I can mentally just deal with that for a couple hours. So it's, it's, it's not really fun. hard. I, so again, I think there's a good case to take United either in 90 or to lift the trophy. I think those numbers are decent. And I don't think I can emotionally go against a City team that has looked great over the past couple months. All right, so why would you do this, Paul? Let's get to our best bets then. And I don't know that I don't know that either of us have two. We might only have one. Who knows? Uh, but I'll give I'll give the yeah. stats because it has been a good couple of weeks for your boy and even you, Paul. So, Paul, you last week you had the over three and a half in Southampton Liverpool, which you absolutely nailed. You should have <laughs> taken it about twenty eight minutes. Yeah, yeah, you should have taken out. I, I for some reason I thought you I thought you had the over five and a half too. I'm like, man, so, Paul must have cleaned up on this. That was the stat. Is one game has had at least six goals, and I think it's now eight straight Premier League finales or on the last day of the season. And so that was the stat, just to say this game's going to be open, but I didn't have the guts to play more than plus or over three and a half. So yeah, it was I wish a great I had. Call. That would have been a nice payoff. It was a great call by you, but then you unfortunately had the Everton born with both teams to score, uh, and then you had BBB yeah. minus two. So you were one and two. So that Oops. makes you 20, 17, 20 and 17 on the season. You're up about a unit. Your boy has been, I had a couple weeks there where it was bad, and then last two weeks, seven and one overall. I went three and oh last week. I am 23 and 19. I'm up almost five units. Last week I had I knew ever I knew Lester were going to win that game. I just knew it I, yeah. in my bones. I felt that so I had Lester money line over one and a half goals. That was plus one twenty three. I had the Villa money line, and then I had Bayern to win at halftime and full time, and they did do that as well. So Ooh. a good couple of weeks here. It looks like my hair might not be bleached uh, at least not yet. We'll see how that goes. But I'll let you lead it off, Paul. Do you have a best bet? Yeah, I mean it's again. I'm just going with City. This, in some ways, this is to play it safe, but uh, I'll lay the goal or you know City minus one and a half plus one thirty five. So City got to win by two. Again, this is a regulation bet, 90 minutes. I just think they're that much better. Um, again, I think United's a little bit of a mirage over the past couple months, and I think City is just going to roll here. They, I know they haven't looked great, but those last two games didn't matter. They're resting some guys. I think they're going to be in, in prime spot to just hang some goals on United. And I'll get plus money on to win by two or more. Man, so, because I was, I was really seriously thinking about going United minus two and the over half a goal. Plus, even plus money. two for United? Or yeah, I'm sorry, plus two, plus two yeah, for United. So yeah. basically don't don't lose, don't lose by two or more goals, right. essentially. So lose you can lose, but lose by one goal. Right. But I, I think what I'm gonna do, because I, I I think United can score here. I I mm-hmm. do. I'm gonna take both teams to score and the over two and a half goals. That's minus one oh six. You're gonna almost even money. So that means, you know, all right, City can go on and blow them out, but all we need is United to just score a goal. I think that does happen. I think United will take it to them. I think again, they've they've given them trouble. If it's a two one, a three one, I'll take that. Just United score. So both teams to score over two and a half goals is just about even money, minus 106. All right. 3 1. Everybody's happy. Exactly. I like it. Exactly. I'll take that. Let's get it done. Um, all right. Do you have another one or no? I, I think I'm going to go one more. I think I'm going to I think I'm gonna do it. I think I'm going to take Roma. Roma 2. I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go double chance. <sighs> double chance under two and a half? Or should I just go? I mean, you that know, that was my prediction. Me, Give me, because it's better value. Give me just the under in the first half. I, I, I think these two teams are going to feel each other out. I think it's going to be a really timid, weird thing. And I think unless something weird happens, somebody probably doesn't score a goal in the first half. Give me the under a half a goal in the first half, plus 136. So I'm right. getting decent like plus it. money for, for what likely is going to happen game trip wise I might yeah. get unlucky, but I do feel like that is the right bet. That's decent value. Yeah, I, I have no official play here. I do kind of lean Roma, Roma double chance under two and a half, which is to about minus 106. Uh, that that's my lean. I might end up playing it, but I I will not make that an official play. Yeah, I don't blame you. I, it's it's that's one of the it's it, in some ways it's a better it's a better matchup and inch, more interesting game than the Champions League final, which we'll talk about next week. Mm-hmm. 
because at least these two teams, like they're totally even they're on paper. Even. But I could right. see I could see this game being terrible. Like it's just an all time oh, yeah. bad be- game of two teams that just do not score. Balls kicked around the back for a while. I could see Sevilla just having it, but not doing anything with the ball. The thing, the interesting thing is Sevilla, the way they play actually plays right into Roma's hands because Sevilla like to play a lot of balls into the box and Roma, I mean, they're just going to head all those out. They've done that all season. They're an incredible, incredible low block team and then play on the counter. So I could see that they, everything really does say Roma, but again, it's that Sevilla just, you know, do you want to bet against them in the history of right. being in that competition? So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. And but if, it, someone, but it, if you'd rather have the Sevilla double chance than under two and a half, it's basically the same price. It's the so same. You can exactly. get almost even money either way, but I, I lean toward the Roma double chance under two and a half. Yeah, and then hopefully then that puts Roma... Th- this, by the way, could be Jose Marino's last game as the manager of Roma because he is suspended for the final game of the season That's against right. Spezia because he gets suspended all the time. He, right. he gets red cards all the time on the, on the touchline in Italy. It's fantastic. And there's been rumors about him leaving. He's talked to the team about it. I think if they don't make Champions League, I think there's a really good chance that he's not going to be there next year, which is which is obviously yeah. unfortunate. But the fans love him. He'll leave on a great note. He's brought them to two finals. He might be able to win two. We'll see how it goes. But He's going to come it, coach the U.S. national team. That's right. He's the, he's the guy who's lying in the, for, for for our guy Crocker to Jesus. He's, he's, he's got the oh you know the, the white whale out there, but you know potentially there. That would be incredible. I would love. Oh, that. It, I would not it, be mad if that was the case that happened. It, it would be a disaster and extremely entertaining. Nah, and it'd be awesome. It, the I, bravado. I, I, oh gosh. The U.S. Like think about what the U.S. is like. We're the ugly American in Europe. Oh. Like we, the, we and then we just bring in Jose who talks the press all conferences this shit, and it's just oh, it would be absolutely incredible. Oh, the pressers would be amazing. Uh, it would be a disaster. Uh, a glorious disaster. I kind of would rather wish it on, you know, an enemy than have it happen to the team I'm rooting for. But oh, okay. I love it. Now it, I'm telling you, I, ha- I hated Jose at United. He was the worst. But he, a lot of the stuff he said there actually turned out to be very true. It wasn't he wrong. said like his greatest accomplishment was that he finished second with that United team. And that's like given what has happened since then at United, yeah. he actually probably wasn't wrong. He won a trophy with them. He won the Europa League. So. Uh, I hated him then, and I absolutely love him now. I think he he in Italy is just is a is a better vibe. You know, I think most people in Italy are they're they're the their best version of themselves, but none <laughs> none none more than Jose Mourinho. Uh, yeah. So that that game might be better than Inter and City in the Champions League final. Which, by the way, we'll be back for as I mentioned, probably middle of next week. So we'll break down the Champions League final between Inter and City, um, and that'll be a lot of fun. I don't know how I'm going to bet that yet, Paul. I haven't placed any bets on that, so that'll either. be uh, a lot of fun. I, I, I do have, I do have one actually. I found a good price on some. What do you have? Uh, City over two and a half goals was plus one eighty two. I think on Fanduel, I think is what okay. I got. I'm not sure if it's still there. That was a week. Or, that was like right after the final got set. It was just an outlier price too. Uh, I gotta tell you, books. I gotta tell you, Paul. The closer we get, the more I lean to this actually being a kind of a close game. I, like, I think I think Inter might muck this thing up, and I'm not saying they'll win. But I could see this being nil-nil in the second uh-huh. half and it being uh-huh. like butt clench in time. And I, I hope it does happen because that would be fun. I haven't, again, I haven't placed any bets on that yet. Same. We'll get to that next I haven't week. But. It reminds me a little of City Chelsea from a couple years ago. Just definitely o- overwhelming yep. favorite underdog that isn't afraid to get dirty. We'll see yep. what happens. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for us. Thanks to the great Paul Carr, as always. Thanks to our producer, Stefan Anderson. Best of luck in everyone's bets. And uh, go Roma. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.